Welcome to St. Dominic's Weekly. This is Father Michael. Before we begin our show today, just an announcement about our Faustina Messenger of Mercy play. This coming Wednesday, February 13th at 7.30 in the church, we welcome St. Luke's production of Faustina Messenger of Divine Mercy as they continue their Bay Area tour. This is a wonderful and powerful one-woman play performed by the well-regarded actress Jennifer Pagano. Now, the production includes multimedia components, a video backdrop, and so there's a whole cast of characters that interact uh, in the play. It's suitable just for parents for ages 13 and up. It's open to the entire parish. Normally, there's a a ticketing and a charge that would go uh, with such a dynamic production, but it's going to be a free will offering. Just want to get the church full in order that we might all benefit from thinking more deeply about and familiarizing ourselves with our Lord who gives us his divine mercy. Lord Jesus, I trust in you is something that certainly uh, has been impactful and towards our church and at a time in our church like no other, we need to experience that mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So for more information, you can go to faustinadrama.com and see the bulletin. And once again, Wednesday, February 13th, 730. Hope to see you there. Now this week, we uh, are so wonderful uh, to have Father Dominic David uh, Mikrovich with us. He has been giving the Our Lady of Lourdes Novena in connection with our St. Jude Shrine, and he's been preaching all this week, so I thought I'd take the opportunity to sit down with him to talk about his own vocation story. Uh, his it comes from a very uh, scientific background and how he found uh, the order. Also, his experiences, uh, he was at Berkeley for a while studying, but then in um, campus ministry as well goes to Alaska, so we, we kind of dive into the, uh, the the details of what it is like to live in Alaska and the kind of the, the tundra and the beauty and doing pastoral ministry up there. And then recently, he's been named as the pastor of our parish in Seattle, Blessed Sacrament. And so he talks about his own uh, expectations and his own um, uh, views for the future uh, and where he's at with that new appointment. So whether you're on the go or taking it slow, many, many blessings as you enjoy today's show. Welcome to St. Dominic's Weekly. This is Father Michael, and I am super excited to have a very special guest with us uh, today, Father Dominic David Mikrovich. Did I say that right? That's correct. Oh, 100%. I didn't even try. We didn't even practice beforehand. <laughs> now, before we jump in, I just have to, when, I, when, I, when you see the name in print, it's like, oh boy. So how do, how do you spell Maturowicz. your last name? Majorowicz. Exactly, Majorowicz. It's Pol- Polish, right? It, it's Polish. There is probably a, a J that got dropped in there at some oh, point. Oh, nice. Did, you, did, your, did the family come through uh, from the East Coast or the West Coast? or how, when they... My... My great-grandfather came over. Uh, we know he worked for the Illinois Railroad Company. He came with his brother, and so... Really? What What year, approximately, so that would have been as the railroads were being built? Because I know there was a lot of immigration. No, I want to say it's around the First World War. Okay, so a, a little bit later. So Because so. I, I know uh, for, for my family, I didn't know this, but that, that they were you know, involved in uh, constructing. There's a whole... Both... It was interesting... Irish and Chinese contingent that worked side by side, mm-hmm. building the railroad out, out between the two the two extremes from the west to the east and east and west. And so he worked in Illinois, uh, some somewhat 
connected to railroading? He, he, you know, don't even know very much. Oh, okay. He died when my grandfather was very young. Okay. And so all of that Polish history and okay. connection gets it's kind of, gets kind of lost. Okay. But but and and so what what's been one of the more amusing pronunciations of your of your last name? Maturowitz. Maturowitz. Okay. Okay. Is, very good. Is, yeah. But it's but it's it's Mikrovich. 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 Very good. I'm, I'm, I, I think I've just heard it so so often <laughs> that I know. But it doesn't look when you got C's and J's and lots of consonants in there. <laughs> yeah, a lot <laughs> of good. consonants. It's good. And you did your novitiate uh, here at St. Dominic's. Right is that here right? at St. Dominic's. Yeah. Okay. And then and how did you get to? You're from Southern California, if I'm right. right Grew up San in Diego. Southern California. San Diego. Uh, the Pasadena area. Pasadena. Oh, yeah. whereabouts in Pasadena? Temple City. Okay. Little little tiny, um, small town sort of feel in the midst of the L.A. sprawl. And Nice. Yeah. And in terms of your um, kind of like vocation story, well, how, how do you, if you, if you, people ask you, how did you become a Dominican? What, 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 what kind of, what are some of the themes of the, of the moments you point to? You know, there was a real experience of uh, calling. I went to school at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo hmm. and was studying computer engineering. And it was, it was really in the context of the Newman Center there. Um, Finding myself in a in a Catholic community, nice. and that, that community communal element was huge. Really, okay. Um, and and found myself found myself wanting to give my life to serving sort of this group of people that I had come to really know and love. Nice. Did you when you grew up? Did you grow up with a strong Catholic kind of faith and background? You know, I wouldn't say that it was it was strong. We certainly went to mass every Sunday. Okay. Um, but. Uh, uh, it, it really was a change in my life to dedicate myself much more fully to to the faith in college. Nice, and it was a, a group at the Newman Center. Yeah, huh? But it wasn't Dominicans necessarily. It wasn't it, Dominicans. Was, there's no Dominicans that I'm. Afraid. No, no. Um, that that probably begins in one of my first classes in college. Okay. Uh, as you, you know, the one and only philosophy class I was ever going to have to take. It was like a requirement to be yeah. a, to be a science guy. You had to at least dip you, your you toe into the ph- philosophical waters. General ed things, okay. and um, the uh, the professor um, set up a false dichotomy. He just wanted to see the people in the class argue and fight. He had uh, no intention of solving it or anything like that. Yep. And uh, um, but at the end, as he's he's trying to get the the sort of Christians and the non-Christians to argue and fight over this. Yeah. He, he makes some statement about Thomas Aquinas, a priest, wouldn't have agreed with this side. And uh, and it, it was, I had heard the name of St. Thomas Aquinas at that point. Mm-hmm. I knew he was one of the most prominent theologians in the church. And I had no philosophical language to explain what was wrong yeah. in the class. I figured I should start reading Aquinas. And see what wow. he had actually said on the problem. So philosophy one hundred and one gets a science guy <laughs> <laughs> to provokes provokes you enough to be able to to kind of like start down the road of of of, uh, of discovery of, of for wisdom. So by the end of college, I yeah. almost had a minor in philosophy. Okay, so this it, was just this became something that was fascinating to me. Nice. And uh, were, now were you alone? Because that really is, and we've had like by the uh, Christopher who's who's here as a science guy. We mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like you can name the science guys on one hand we have both Michael Fodes and others because because there's not a lot mo- many of us are um, liberal arts or, or, or kind of general more more of the humanities uh, than the sciences 
I don't know that that's the case in our province. Is We've it? Got so a like, ton of science guys. You're saying, so who do we have? Who's who's a, It feels like. But you're right. Christopher was a science. Uh, um, uh, Wetzel and who else? Who else is uh, other his his thumbs? classmate, Father Chris? That's, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, Brandon, yeah. Uh, Father Brian Crumholtz. That's true. He was a science guy. Um, lots of engineers and scientists. Father Raphael Mary. Have I been just building up this narrative in my head that everyone's more I like me with so. the liberal arts? You, you just, <laughs> I'm just like gravitating to my. From I just like, and I just think that's the majority opinion. Are there really more science guys in our province, or at least equal? You're, you're suggesting it's. There's a huge portion of us. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to rethink. I'm, you're, you're, you're provoking me to actually sit down and do run the numbers on. And this. I think it's St. Thomas Aquinas. Really? He's got that structured mind that an engineer or scientist recognizes. Well, hold on. You're not claiming Aquinas is a science guy, are you? Of course he is. The divine oh, no. science. <laughs> well, <I'm> like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but his, his structure and just the, the way he thinks is familiar yeah. to us. Interesting. And so among the, uh, philosophers, the, it, just, it just makes more sense to us. Interesting. So more the, the would you say the analytics of it? Is that what you're thinking of? The, I think very much, the, yeah. The kind of a, the analytical... Brain, but I, I'm not saying that humanities aren't like all like creative. I mean, there's creativity to, to that side too, but you can do analysis in humanities, certainly. Too. Yeah, certainly. Oh, but that's interesting. I, I, so Thomas Aquinas appeals to science guys, I think so. That is interesting. And, and, and what just do you mean the um, way of approaching things in terms of the or the content itself, or a little bit of both? I, I think it principally that that structure and that ordering, okay. That that he implements. Yeah. Um, the, the fact with, you know, with so many philosophers, you want to know what he thinks on something. Mm -hmm. You might have to read all of his works and then still not have a clear sense of mm. what he's trying to say. Whereas with Aquinas, you want to know what he thinks on something. You go to the question and you look it up and there's um, that reference and cross reference. And, and certainly um, knowing the whole of Aquinas definitely gives you a much better sense nice. of what he's talking about, but still that very structured, very let's, Talk about the issue. Let's talk about the point. Interesting, because you're making reason me reason through it. Yeah, and you're making me think of the now the uh, etymological roots of the word scientia of, of the word we get science. The mm -hmm. cognate for science simply means knowledge, right? Yeah. Scientia means knowledge, and Aquinas would say that all scientia knowledge resolves in the divine, as you said, the divine, the divine science. So, and in fact, things that we would call scientific are actually not science in that way it's a lot of hypothesis and mm -hmm. things that aren't strictly sciences so that the truest science is the science we know from revelation right because it's the it's the strongest authority if you will knowing from god so in that way you Very have much. you've got that connection i haven't thought had that that was i really that was really cool so and that makes sense because if you think of like quote-unquote scientific method which is you know you set up a hypothesis experiment kind of thing you see like you said a kind of in the in the kind of dialectical method of like whether God exists. And then you do like three reasons why God doesn't exist. And then like, and here's an authority that says, you know, the scriptures say, you know, I am who I am. And then I answer that. And then you go back and you answer the objection. So it's this kind of like, yeah, I can, I can see what you're saying. It's a clear it's just, process. It's a, a clear, clear process. way of going through a problem. Yeah, all right. All right. Well, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And it's interesting. The first time um, I read Aquinas was actually at school of Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> Uh, college I hadn't really read much Thomas and I'd read it and I was talking to one of my classmates who shall remain nameless at the time and he, their first it was their first time reading too and they were like I don't know about this Aquinas guy he keeps changing his mind in the, in the next sentences so he, <laughs> he, he and to me that is a testament of 
how St. Thomas takes the alternate, the other opinion, the objections seriously and doesn't just kind of do weak, you know, um, examples of what contrary to, like he gives, when he, the example I gave about the existence of God, he gives three of the best atheistic arguments that are out there, right? And so he really takes it seriously. And so that might make the reader think like, oh, St. Thomas is an atheist on the very first question. It doesn't seem like God's like, who is this guy again? And then, like, oh, and three sentences later, he, he turns as he changes his mind. But that, the, the analytic kind of thing. So, wow, very good. Well, that, that was, a, that was a, I, have to, I have to give more thought to that. The scientific approach of Aquinas certainly lends itself towards the kind of the scientific mind or has that kind of bent to it. So you were spurred on there. So, of course, Thomas Aquinas being a Dominican, was there a particular... Um, Dominican you met or how did you get connected to the province more than just kind of like through the through those writings what, what did that process look like you know I don't know that it was much more than oh. coming into contact with St. Thomas Aquinas really certainly a love for the Marian element yeah. of the order mm. wait, wait, um, for example like what the rosary and yeah. the the, um, the prayer of the rosary became something that was very important to me uh, in college that was part of that mm. as well um uh, encountering St. Louis de Montfort um, was another element, and he's a third-order Dominican. Yeah. They, I started to find all sorts of Dominican saints popping up okay. in my life, people that I had had some awareness of as, as saints but sure. hadn't known they were Dominican. Nice. Um, you mentioned Louis de Montfort. It, it, did you read his True Devotion or, or The Secret of the Road? Like what, 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 what kind of jumped out to you? In that regard, um, his his true devotion, um, one something that had been so influential, especially in the life of Pope Saint John Paul II. Yes, uh, who who was still alive when I was going through college, mm-hmm. and uh, was such a such a hero in the faith. Mm-hmm. I think just because you, you have somebody who was explaining the faith again and anew and uh, somebody that you, you felt you could really trust in, in what was sometimes a very confusing hmm. situation so to kind of the whole in. new evangelization kind of swept up on there to talk very about very much talk about uh, priests of the uh, JP2 kind of era JP2 priest was a, was, was, was a kind yes. of a, a connected so you felt swept up in that kind of felt way felt swept up in that right. um, and it's crossing the threshold where he talks about his own experience with his his mother and and the blessed virgin and yeah. how he didn't uh you know necessarily connect with marian devotion until he re- he reads louis de montfort's you know uh true devotion and, and the totus tuus everything for you and then sees how mary doesn't take away from christ but leads to christ and it radically changes his life mm. and it it certainly changed my life and my devotional life as well okay did you do the total consecration i did nice do you, did. Do, you, do, you, do you renew it every year or how did it, because different people have different experiences. You kind of do it once and you're consecrated or is something that some people come back to again and again? I do renew it every year. Okay. And uh, the last couple of years, even at our parish, I've been leading a renewal and, oh, nice. and, and working with people who want to do it for the first time. And oh, nice. We've been doing that every year. Very good. What do you, what, what date do you, do you have? Like, cause there's, there's obviously different dates you can kind of be your consecration date. The date for myself was, um, was the Annunciation. And so March 25th. Oh, nice. Okay. Very good. Um, up, up at the parish, we've been, 
Uh, we've been doing Immaculate Conception. Okay. So it's a fall thing for nice. people in, in preparation for... That's just a superior day, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 the it's the day I did. Actually, I ah. did I did my consecration in the in the March as well because it was a Lenten thing originally. Uh-huh. Um, but that's I'm I'm connected to December eighth uh, because of other reasons, my birthday and other things. So, <laughs> so I think it's uh, you know just objectively a better day, but it, it fits for the fall. But but no, that's that's wonderful. Do you? I, I have to say I. Do you hear, this is going to be really insider kind of like consecration thing. Do you actually write out the consecration and sign it every year? You know, I, I, I did that the first time. Okay. I did that the first time. Yeah. But um, no, I haven't no, written okay, it really out not. again since. So. No, it's in it's a detail because I, I asked myself because in the, in the actual thing, obviously you do the prayers and everything yeah. like that. Should I write that? So I just began to write it out every year. Yeah. I actually do it in the back of my like planner, planner. And it takes longer than you think to write the whole thing out. It long is down. a long <laughs> consecration, and I and I think to myself, I don't write like we, I you know, you word process a lot, yeah. But I don't actually like physically write, and the physical writing out of that consecration, I don't know. There's there's something there's something to it. It's that may be something I to take it, up. It, 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 interesting though, I, I I ask people who do the, the consecration, they see obviously a, a detail in that, but that Marian consecration and the connection to the Dominicans really kind of was bringing you bringing you closer to, to investigate the That was uh, a big part of it. And and just the general desire and search for truth. Okay. That, that veritas. Did, did you look at other orders or priests in general? It was always, because different people have different experience. Was it just always OP or, or bust kind of thing? N- no, not at all. My okay. my uh, first sense of calling was a calling to the priesthood. Okay. Um, and I spent I spent a summer in a monastery. Really? And and it was just, you know, the other option was to be back in a cubicle uh, doing more computer engineering stuff for the summer. And I just took a summer and spent it in a monastery. What kind of, where was that? What? This is, um, it was the Camaldolese in Big Sur. Oh, wow. Yeah. I spent 10 weeks with them. Really? In one of those little Kwanzaa things? Um, or did you not get to go? Did they... No, they, they had me inside okay. of the cloister okay. and uh, I, I washed dishes like, four hours a day to oh. earn my keep. Okay. And that wow. was, it was spectacular. Wow. Uh, and and really there fell in love with a lot of the contemplative elements of religious life. Neat. Okay. But didn't necessarily feel called to that particular group. Yeah. Really did, really also had the sense that yeah. I didn't belong just in a monastery, that mm. there was a um, real desire and real call to an active aspect of that as well. And so I think at that point began really trying to discern and look at religious life and a religious life that would have both a contemplative and an active dimension to right. it. Which leads you to Dominicans. There's not there's not very a, a much, whole lot of very <laughs> much lead a lot of groups that, that, that necessarily do that. Dominicans. Um I'd thought about maybe one of those uh Benedictine monasteries that has mm-hmm. a school attached to it okay. or something like that. Sure. But um uh the the Dominicans um really stuck out mm-hmm. at some point. Now do when you applied, um what was that process like? Was it was it because well I the reason I mention this is uh, for many of the classes that ha- have gone through, you'll have my, my class of novitiate was twelve. Um they've had class, this this year's class is, is uh nine. There your your class was two. Two of you. <laughs> two. Very and different personalities. Very different personalities and Father Ambrose and myself, we are still in the order, so we're one hundred percent 
I think you're the only class ever, since what? I, I mean, how far back do I go? I mean, I saw the stats the other day. Since '89, that is a 100% class. There you go. <laughs> that's your. That's your. Quality, but there's like two of not you. quantity. <laughs> <laughs> but a hundred. But two. Quality, not quantity. How do you do a novitiate with two guys? It was hard. It was hard, and we actually became. Much closer and much better friends when we had the student date and all of the other brothers. Oh, okay. So you were better us. friends after you left the novitiate. After the novitiate. <laughs> than you were when you were novices together. But you didn't just like, I, with Father Anthony, how did you didn't string each other up? Obviously, you didn't leave. Wow. That was. <laughs> you avoided stepping on each other's toes. Okay. There was no, <laughs> no buffer. <laughs> okay. Give me a good Ambrose story, Father Ambrose. <laughs> <laughs> or novitiate story just in general because because novice is not novice years is, is such a formative year and so you, you have to i think i part of this for at least myself it's just the mix of different people with one other person you're like if you have an awkward moment it's kind of like you can't go you can't really share that with anyone else you're just like okay we're we're we're, we're going you, you know one of uh one of the things that was very different about our novitiate experience, our, our novices, uh, of course, go on the tours. Mm-hmm. They're away on the tour right now That's and, right. and uh, visiting the various communities that we have. And when you have those classes of, you know, 12 or yeah. 8 or something yeah. like that, sleeping is catch as catch cans, right? Yeah. You, you, you get a little floor space here. Yep. You, you got to, if somebody snores, you're just out of luck. Yep. And there were two of us. We always had, you know, a bed. Oh, always yeah. had our own room. That's true. There are <laughs> benefits. <laughs> there are benefits. The tour was, I think, so much easier for us than that's actually practically speaking. was for just about any other class. You didn't have to roll in the huge van. No, you probably, you no. We took just like took a, the little minivan. Took the little minivan. Just plenty three of, of you. plenty of space for the three of us. And did you? Did, uh, yeah, you didn't have to have the host house. You probably just stayed in the rectories. Or a lot least, of or, times we could. Or nice. if there was a host house, it was. You're living high on the hog. Yeah, That's, I had thought about that aspect. So you get more. It's kind of like only child, where you kind of are like you know just a smaller family where every all the atten- you get all the attention. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> you know, one of the um, one of the great things that that Father Ambrose introduced me to was the Desert Fathers. Mm. And so he's he's in Rome right now, and he's um, studying Coptic and uh, studying some of the early Christians mm-hmm. that, that wrote in languages that very, very few people read. Um, but he always had this love of the Desert Fathers and, and, and introduced me to them and so many of their stories. And those right. have been, those have been very formative. Nice. Um, and and eternally grateful to him for that. So nice. And is there a, a different? I mean, there's certainly um, various Deathers fathers. Is there a particular favorite? I mean, you talk about like Aquinas is like a pair. Is there is there kind of like a a desert father that really jumps out at you in terms of of formative? I know Aquinas. I, I, I I've certainly done a lot of um, reading and work with um, with Evagrius. Okay. Um, who writes a lot on the vices. And okay. the virtues, and that was always something that was an area of interest. Oh, very good. Um, as Dominicans, we have a close uh, connection with John Cashin. Yes. Because he was carried around by St. Dominic. That's um, right. And so it's it's something that's formative for us as well. Nice. And is in, well, the, as you mentioned, um, virtues and vices, uh, that's certainly one of the themes that's coming out in uh, you're preaching here at, for the, for the novena, that sense of looking at Mary and in terms of her virtues and considering 
the vices, our own vices, uh, and maybe say a little bit more about that. Yeah, for the novena, um, uh, obviously a Marian theme with it being uh, the novena for Our Lady of Lords, and um, looking at the the ten principal virtues mm-hmm. that uh, Saint Louis de Montfort sort of outlines for Our Lady, uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't go through very much to describe them at all. Just sort of lists. These are 10 principal virtues and you should follow them. Um, So spending the novena, sort of going out through those, uh, those virtues Mm -hmm. and, and talking about them. But, but that, that virtue ethics and um, that, that understanding of the moral life has definitely been a big part. Yeah, no. And I, I I really like what you said the other day because this comes up doing RCIA and especially just, describing the faith to what we might call the cultural expectation of folks that have about religion. Like, oh, religion is all about rules to follow, right? Right. It's all about law. And that, in a sense, there's a truth to that in terms of, if you will, there there has to be some kind of a pattern, if you will, or habit that's established. But it's not about the rules. The rules facilitate something deeper, that relationship. Uh, And I just, I liked how you put it... uh, at least what I took away from from part of one one of your talks about the fact that it's not simply having to be just because otherwise I get caught, you know, not not eating the jar. Would you say like the jar of cookies, the bag of cookies, <laughs> just because you <laughs> know you'll gain weight or you'll, your blood sugar go there? But that there's really a sense in which not just because God tells you, but because it's and not just because it's good for you, but it comes from a deep desire for the goodness that the virtue gives so it's not just you do it because god tells you you don't even do it just because it's a good thing to do you do it because your desire is actually in line with the goodness that the virtue itself facilitates or makes possible we have that that phrase virtue is its own reward yes which yes you know is usually sort of a, a disappointment to uh, those of us who are trying to earn something, by yes. But, but this idea that virtue is its own reward is very true. Yeah. There's a, there's a supreme reward that comes in the virtue itself as we actually grow in the perfection of what we were made to be. Yeah, and in some ways, the whole, our life in virtue is all about getting our desires <laughs> to come and our and our, our humanness to come into line with what actually is good, <laughs> right? Which is so different than the culture. It's like, I got to be me. Like, I'm doing me. Or like, I got to find my own happiness. And I kind of think like, happiness is pretty much laid. I mean, the, the quote unquote answer is there. <laughs> it's just moving to that place, finding Very our much. desires. It's interesting. I, even even in the uh, the Lord's Prayer, right? Like, kingdom come, thy will be. So we're asking for God's will. Well, the moral life is about, <laughs> and happiness is about moving to that, to that, to that place. Um, now you've you've said you went in terms of obviously your own formation, kind of going back to your own story. I, I know you, you said how formative that Newman Center experiences was for you, and I know when you were first starting talking about you know possible ministries, that was something that was there in terms of Newman Center work. How is that you you've been now in a couple parishes? How do you find yourself connecting to maybe that that aspect of of young people and and, and that ministry? You know, it's kind of funny. I, yeah. I certainly entered the order thinking. Um, uh, our province does a lot of Newman Center work, yeah. and wanting to really enter into that and do that, and it's not something I've been assigned. So <laughs> no, I, I find that interesting. You, you, uh, you but if, but I feel like every place you've been. So your first assignment was my in, first assignment was St. Mary Magdalene's in Berkeley. Berkeley, and 
St. Mary Magdalene's in Berkeley is on the north side of UC Berkeley campus. Yeah. It's where a lot of the grad students hang out. Exactly. And so um, that was great. And that was one of my favorite aspects of that ministry was spending time with so many of the grad students. Yeah. And um, as they're beginning their lives in so many ways and walking with them through that, there was a huge joy. Nice. Of, and kind of being the person that others were to you in your own college experience. Very much. Is, is, is that was that, Very is much, that yeah. yeah. One of the other things I've done a lot of in, in every place I've been assigned is RCIA. Yes. And and so, again, that experience of um, uh, introducing people yeah. to the faith in many, uh, in many ways for the first time, mm-hmm. even as you often get people coming to RCIA who um, – Maybe we're raised Catholic for the beginning years of their life, but it never really went through all the sacraments and um and, and then the the opposite you know the the full other side of things people who have almost no religion yeah um no knowledge at all and and are coming to this and in every case to be able to introduce them to the faith it's yeah. just a tremendous joy say more about that because i've I found in my own priesthood <clears throat> excuse me as i as I've taught RCA now for, gosh, I, I, when I, my first years of, of, of priesthood on, so I've done it for about 10 years, and now now as a pastor, you know, it's kind of like, like not many pastors, like, pastors don't always necessarily do the RCA program, but I just really, I can't give it up in the sense, I just love doing it. Maybe describe a little bit more, like, well, what are some of the beats or themes that uh, you're, I, I feel always reinvigorated by going through material, which obviously I know well, but it's almost like a fresh experience doing it with a different group of people. I don't know. Maybe describe a little bit about that particular joy, because I know I I've certainly feel it, but I wonder how you experienced that yourself. You know, one of the uh, one of the greatest dangers for us as religious, yeah. right, is that sloth or that acedia, yes, right? Yes, yes. Um, we, are, we are surrounded by the divine yep. 24-7, yep. It's, and it's so easy for it just to become mundane and everyday, and this is just what I do all the time. Yep. Um, overly familiar routine and you kind of like familiarity breeds and then it just becomes that it becomes burdensome and it just oh we gotta pray again and (laughs) didn't we do this yesterday and a couple of hours ago and 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 one of the greatest uh, weapons we have against that yeah is I think to see the faith again through somebody else's eyes Hmm. Yes. To to yes. Um, G.K. Chesterton talks about this. How you know if if you can't if you can't be in the midst of it, yeah. Then you want to be far enough away that you can really see it. Uh, that's interesting. And when we can we, when you can step out of our everyday routine and see it through another person's eyes, yeah. Um, it's renewing, and we realize just how awesome it is. Yeah. That we get to spend our life this way. Um, just how amazing and beautiful the gifts the Lord has given us yeah. are. And RCIA is just, it, it It happens every single night. Yeah. You know, every yeah. night you yeah. sit down with these people and they discover the faith in you. Yeah. And it renews us. And yeah. And it reminds us of just what a gift we have received. It, it's true. And, and and like you say, there's you get a kind of perspective on things that you don't necessarily, you can become uh, kind of immune to or just kind of like a little bit deadened to. I, I almost uh, like to give an analogy, uh, you know, we live, I, 
here in San Francisco. And there I can walk outside and you see, you know, all the, the beautiful buildings and you see, you know, the heights. And if I just take a short walk, I, I can, in five minutes, I could be looking at the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. And then we had a, a Dominican who just came in this last weekend from New Orleans. <laughs> and he's like, what should I do? What could I see? And I'm like, oh, the Golden Gate Bridge. He was just so excited. Like, like I was just, even, I didn't even take him. I didn't have the time. He was, he was with some other people traveling. So I didn't even go with him. But just in describing <laughs> the things in San Francisco that he was hoping to see, <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, I live in this, like, beautiful, world-renowned, you know, iconic city. And just that description of him to him, you know, got me, oh, yeah, this is pretty, <laughs> really, I live in a pretty cool place. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of the same thing. You get to play tour guide for the faith. That's like, yeah. kind of like <laughs> reliving, Very much. reliving those moments. So you, Mary Magdalene's uh, working with the... Um, so the grad students and, and, and the students on campus. And then next assignment is a little further north, a little chillier town. Just, just a little further <laughs> yeah. north, um, all the way up to Anchorage, Alaska. How has that been in Alaska? First of all, just living in Alaska, you're in, the, you're in a non-contiguous state. <laughs> um, yes, non-contiguous <laughs> <laughs> it is still on the continent, right? Oh, but I guess isn't. I mean, <laughs> but you know, you go on to you order something from Amazon, and it's yeah. it's like they treat you like you're ordering from a foreign country. Exactly. It's just there are lots of things that just won't ship to you, and exactly. And you got to take. I mean, there's no unless you're taking like a lo- the long boat ride. It's not like you're driving. No, no. <laughs> there's no like road trip to you're, Alaska you're, uh, unless you're unless you're like got a week to burn. You 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 can do it. No, but you can it's do a it. long. <laughs> it's a long haul. It's a long haul. Um, Alaska is amazing. You like, so you're in the pro Alaska camp. I'm definitely in the pro Alaska camp. Okay. I don't know that there are very many of our brothers who are not. Really? Okay. You, you know, I, I think there's um, uh, I think the province has a hard time finding guys that want to go to Alaska. Okay. Unless they've been to Alaska. And I think that the vast majority of us have all said I would go back there in a heartbeat. That is interesting because there was a kind of, I say, I don't think it's necessarily true, but a kind of unwritten rule that I remember when we were students that said you had to like like a mission kind of thing. You know, obviously we can be assigned anywhere in our province, but there was a kind of tacit um, agreement that if you were going to be sent to Alaska, you kind of had to have a conversation first just because it might be a challenge, you know, in terms of uh, the living situation and the kind of little bit of the isolation and the darkness and so forth. So it would be a little bit of a kind of a conversation, not necessarily a direct assignment out of the blue kind of thing. Um, and so it was always this kind of like, oh, Alaska, you could you wouldn't be sent there unless you really wanted to go there. And for that reason, there was this kind of like, oh, not not everyone could kind of go to Alaska. But now as you're saying this, it's true. I'm trying to think of all the people who've been to Alaska that I, that I know, of the, and almost I can't think. I, now that I'm thinking, is there anyone? Maybe there. Maybe there might be one or two. But almost everyone. Not only would they go back there, just like your smile. You can't. This is not great radio. But you know, not my day, Father <laughs> Dominic's got a great big smile on his face right now. They're eager. They would. They would definitely to welcome back. to go back. So what is it about Alaska that engenders that that kind of love for it? If it's, it does seem kind of far away, isolated, dark. It, it know, is. It, you know, I lots think... Lots of uh, bears. It's uh, the closest... Our closest community to Anchorage yeah. is Seattle. Yeah, which is... And Seattle's closer to every other community than it is to Anchorage. Wait, no, say that again. So Mexicali is closer I, I to Seattle than so. Anchorage? I think so. They're pretty close, but... Oh, my. I'm, maybe not Anchorage, Mexico, but maybe, maybe say like Los Angeles. Definitely Los Angeles. Anchorage... That's interesting. 
Anchorage is one of the things we don't recognize about Alaska is it is so far west. It's not just north. It's oh, really far west. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, you can see Rush out there. You, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's that west. is why we have all the military bases up there. <laughs> that's true. Um, it's it's really far west. And, and so it's a good three-hour flight, three-and-a-half-hour flight, depending on the wind, to get to Seattle. And it's true, and that's about what, it, in terms of like flying from Seattle like to L.A. or something, is is going to be maybe even a little bit less. It's than less that. than it's that. It's less than yeah. that. Wow. So I I hadn't thought about that. So Seattle is closer to L.A., which we think of kind of on the southern southern side of our province than it is, or Arizona than it is to than it is to Alaska. Wow. Yeah. So 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 that's the isolation. So there's part, an isolation element there. Is, there. But um, we we do live in just because we don't want to be close to each other. No. <laughs> it's like ah. Out of the out of the Bay Area bubble, we do live in Anchorage, which is the the largest city by far. It's, okay, it's ten times the size of any other town. Really, in okay. Alaska, um, and uh, it it is a full, you know, it's a city. It's a city. It's a city. Okay. It's got everything that you need. In fact, the joke is, um, in Alaska, I do. Uh, I do ministry in Fairbanks about once a month, and I'll okay. fly up to Fairbanks, and uh, the the people up there will say, Father, where are you coming from? And I'll say, I'm coming up from Anchorage, and they'll say, Oh, welcome to Alaska. Uh, so, <laughs> well, so Alaskans even don't the, even consider no, Anchorage to be really that's Alaska. like real Alaska. That's yeah, like tourist Alaska. Yeah, the great thing about Anchorage is it's so close to Alaska. Um, <laughs> and that's that's always the joke up there. Nice. So so you've got all the amenities of a of a city, which okay. is not exactly true when you get out. On the of, the boondocks, of, yeah, or uh, on Anchorage, the, on the but um, uh, so it 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 has all that. Alaska is spectacular. Mm. It is so beautiful. Mm. The um, I really do. The Lord had a different vertical scale. Okay, when he made Alaska. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he had a different vertical scale, and okay. the, the mountains are just they're right there. Yeah, um, and you do not have to go far to just be in the middle of nowhere and wow. the wildlife and um the 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 waters and the mountains mm. are absolutely spectacular nice yeah i know you certainly i i visited once uh, to give a talk and it really was you just you get you get you get out like in talkeetna and yeah. like, you know broaching the 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 mountain denali there. is the denali, up there exactly and, and it was a that that particular day i guess denali is often shrouded in, in clouds and different weather and it has those own microclimates just on the mountain itself. It does. But that one day that I happened to be up there, it was like there was a portion of the day we could see the whole thing. And yeah. I was like, ah, oh, so blessed. No, it's it's really, really good. Now, what, what, what about Alaska would someone from the lower 48 kind of take for granted that is just kind of, I don't say a daily kind of awareness, but at least this comes up that you're like, you wouldn't necessarily think about that since since you're kind of obviously not. Um. The weather can kill you. you okay, know? okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Layers. We, we, we just, Layers uh, are not just for, for The for lower 48 just experienced that polar vortex, but there are a lot of areas in Alaska where that's, that's those are some pretty normal temperatures to experience in the winter. Wow, yeah. Um, Anchorage is not, not nearly that bad. It's right on the water, and so it's it's moderated a lot. But you get into that interior, and we do serve communities in the interior. Um, and, yeah, you, you got to be prepared for 
30, 40, 50 below. Well, I noticed there was in, at least in the place where we, there's like a covered kind of garagey area that there was like, like a engine warmer thing or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Like, all your, what's that? What's that? All, all your cars, you, you, you get a, uh, an engine block here yeah. installed in your car, and you plug that in when it drops below 20 or so. And yeah, because not even antifreeze can handle and some of those And then it, it keeps all of the fluids and whatnot warm and helps you start your car in the morning. Because <laughs> when they had the car, they, like, plugged it in. I thought, well, that's just not a hybrid. Because like, I was thinking, being <laughs> California, I'm like, oh, this is a strange – I didn't know, you know – Range Rover, whatever car they had, had had a hybrid like that, where it's kind of like just because it, it wasn't like a coming from the from where you expect the gas, and it was just like an extension cord. It's like that that's not a hybrid. Is and it? you like, know no, when it gets really cold, warmer. yeah, we, we go out to a, a little town called Glen Allen, yeah, and we'll we'll say mass out there once a month, and uh, it's about a three hour drive, um, but they easily will drop really cold, and so it'll be thirty below. You, you go to mass there. Everybody just leaves their engine running. During mass? During mass. Really? Leaves the engine running. Got to be a quick mass. homily. Well, you, I mean, <laughs> you don't want your car to seize up on you. No, that, that makes sense. See, there's, there's something you just never would, would think, that the, like leaving the, the car running idly. <laughs> we also have a lot of concerns with gigantic animals. Okay. you got moose. you got bear. Um, there, are, there are hundreds of bears living within wow. the Anchorage municipality. Have, I mean, you ever, have you ever had yourself a kind of a close encounter or, or a brush with a brush with a bear or some, some you, kind you of You know, I, I haven't had a brush okay. with a bear. Okay. I haven't had a brush with a bear. Plenty with moose, though. Okay, moose. Plenty which, with moose. Which can be more dangerous. In, in many ways, they're more dangerous. Really? Okay. Moose, moose seem to have, um, have a bubble. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're outside of the bubble, okay. they... Don't even think you're. They might turn an ear towards you, but yeah. otherwise they ignore you. Okay. But as soon as you cross that bubble, they're really, really not happy. Okay. And they don't tell you how big their bubble is. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and some of those the racks on the on the on the, on their heads are quite daunting and they're and huge. they're magnificent, but they're they look. I remember we, it was the week that I happened to be there, or the the few days on that week was one of the weeks that there were no... They had closed Denali, but the road was still open for okay. a week. I don't know if there's a special name for that, but you could actually drive in so you didn't have to take the bus and whatnot. So I drove in, and as we <laughs> as we were going, there was a, a moose kind of ambled onto the road. And when I mean road, it's just this little strip yeah. of pavement, you know. And I thought, oh, what do I do here? And as I, I kind of was coming a little closer, the moose started coming towards, I thought... No, I'm just going to put it in park, right? Yep. Actually, I, actually, yeah, to be honest, I put it in park, and then I thought, you know what? I'm going to put it in reverse. In reverse. <laughs> <laughs> and then you literally just had to wait. Like, I just wait. Like, you just had to wait. Like, I, I, there's no going around because it was, like, dropped off on both sides. It was just, like, a little strip. And you just – the wildlife definitely is in charge. I'll put I, it I've that way. I've had that problem just trying to go visit a family at their home. Oh, really? And, they're, you know, they're just in a little residential area. Yeah. And there's a moose standing in the middle of the road. Yeah. And I can't. I may be sitting here for five, ten minutes. Exactly. Because there's not, you, you don't want to honk or like agitate because nope. you mentioned the bubble. You burst the bubble and you, yeah. you could be in a world of, of trouble. <laughs> I did that once. Did I did uh, get happened? into trouble. Oh, what happened? I was, I was just on a little walk and uh, turned a corner, came around a tree, and there was there was a mother bedded down with a little calf. Okay. 
and Uh-oh. she was not happy. Oh boy! And I was pretty close. I had no idea coming around this corner. Sure. How close they were. You're both startled. It sounds and like both startled. She starts getting up. I just disappeared back around the corner. <laughs> what happened? That was it. No that was intention it. to just, no, just went back the other back. way. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> not going to keep going. Crisis averted. <laughs> well, some of our brothers talk about taking the hikes, and they. They recommend, actually, and this is no joke. I mean, you're talking about certainly there's violent ways to use it, but just bringing a, a firearm or having... having Firearms, arms, bear spraying. Yeah. Um, Have, did you ever bring any kind of, I don't say, weaponry or, or near... Oh, I adjacent? certainly carry bear spray. Okay, bear spray. Certainly carry bear spray okay. when I'm out hiking. Okay. Um, others will, um, will also just wear bells. Oh, interesting. Bears, the um, polar bears are a different issue. Sure. And polar bears do hunt people okay but, um, are there a lot of polar bears and that that's way up north you okay. gotta go way up north you have to go to alaska not you just have anchors. to go to alaska <laughs> not just um, and i've been up to barrow up up at the top oh really the state and really um but uh what, what's up there is it is it is it more more verticality <laughs> actually um flat really okay. just flat okay for... tundra the, the the we call it the north slope okay um and uh, yeah, just going out into the Arctic Ocean there. Interesting. And okay. Well, no. So we, we've I've digressed a little bit into uh, the, the the Alaska Tourist Bureau is going to sponsor this last ten minutes. Maybe of, of, of that, but no, it's great. In terms of ministry in, in our in our place, we just we've just come to a new um, a new house. Uh, there, so maybe describe. So yeah, I, I, in fact, it's just brand new. You just brand you new. Just we just moved in a couple of weeks. An ago. orientation. <laughs> we had to have an orientation. It's yeah. got a pretty fancy fire system and all of these things we <laughs> had to learn muscles. how to use. Is it a smart house, quote unquote? Um, you I don't to know that Siri it's to come in. I, I don't have to ask for my lights to turn on <laughs> okay. or anything like that. Okay. Okay. Did your oven tell you when you're when you're burning the burning the pot roast? I, I think it might. I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I was joking about or that. Or it just house. silently judges you for burning your pot roast. There you that go. May be. <laughs> okay. Now the pictures are used beautiful, and so it's basically this. They, just to be clear, we're in Anchorage. We are at. Uh, at least the co-cathedral, the cathedral there? We are at the cathedral, at the cathedral. downtown. Okay. Um, uh, so we, we run the cathedral okay. for the Archdiocese of Anchorage. Okay. Because um, there's not a lot of priests there, right? Is that is that true that there's... Yeah, we we make up maybe 10% of the presbyterate in really? the Archdiocese. The four guys there or the three guys there? The three, three priests there, yeah. There's about 30. 30 priests in the whole diocese. In the Archdiocese. Now, there are three dioceses in Alaska. Okay. So Fairbanks has 20 to 25 priests. Okay. Juno has maybe eight. Oh, my goodness. And so there, there's something like 60 priests in the whole state. and Which is what, in terms of geographic? I mean, is more than twice more the size, size of, of Texas. Texas. Wow. Well, that's probably, there are probably, probably more priests. There are. There are more priests in, in our, not just the San Francisco diocese, in just in San Francisco, just the deanery region that we have here, than in all of Alaska. I would not be surprised. No. And so it really is missionary territory. Wow. And you are doing, you are doing mission work. There are so many people um, who, you know, if we don't go out yeah. and visit them, they're, they're not going to have that ministry. Wow. Um, the the priest-to-people ratio is not too bad, but okay. the priest-to- um, ministry site and the priest uh, to a uh, square mile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's daunting. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it, now it sounds like we rotate 
I mean, there were certainly staffed the cathedral, but it sounds like there's opportunities to to be in more remote locales as well. Is there, that how there are three places we go out and visit once a month. Okay. Um, other tasks that we take on occasionally, um, or just even helping out in the city for sure. for the the local clergy to be able to go out. Okay. And minister. Nice. So there's a lot. Nice. And you're working with a high school as well. Is that right? We um. Uh, we are chaplains for an independent Catholic school. It's okay. K through 12. Okay. Oh, through 12. So, so it's all it's, the way. It's... it's the full spectrum. Wow. And Holy Rosary Academy. It's, it's a, uh, um, classical education based. Okay. Uh, school. Is and... it like great books light kind of thing or, or model? Sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Just... Definitely modeled on that. The, um, the high schoolers all have seminar okay. and, uh, do a lot with that. Nice. Now we, as a chaplain, is that more just kind of like offering sacraments and spiritual support, or is it actually um, engaging in the classroom kind of thing as well? Mostly the sacraments okay. and the spiritual support. Okay. Um, we have had guys, when when we've had a, um, enough priests up there, we've mm-hmm. had guys doing um, uh, teaching full classes. Okay. I'm often in there for theology classes, just to, I get bounced around from one theology oh, class nice. to another, just make to an appearance. make an appearance. Yeah. And um, we... we you know, you can ask Father anything, or okay, we yeah. can talk about whatever they're going through, and nice. so I'll have a lot of fun doing that. Nice. I, Alaska would be an uh, have definite advantages to raising children these days. I would think, in terms of just being in nature and just kind of like being very, <laughs> very much in touch with uh, the reality of of of, um, of life in terms of. In terms there, of there's the something right about now. that. There's something about um, having to be in tune with the seasons. Yeah of the year. Um, so many of the people up in Alaska, they, they procure a lot of their own food. Yeah. Fishing, hunting. Um, it, it's all, it's all part of living up there. And so, um, even those living in the city are very much in touch with the natural world and with its rhythms. And, and there's, there's a, there's a natural good to that. I think. Nice. No, I think so. And, and, you get the oil money too, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there some kind of like when I was up there, they're they're talking about there was some. I think it was a little bit of a political controversy, but doesn't every resident, Alaska resident, get a certain it's true. stipend? There's, is that right? There's this uh, what we call the public fund dividend. Oh, is and, it? Is it really? Is um, it public fund? Yeah. The PFD. The PFD. Is that what it is? It is. <laughs> nice. It is. No, no. Um, and and no, it it has to do with this idea that that. All of the residents of Alaska own the resources of really? Alaska. That's where so that idea that whatever natural resources there and is benefited, everyone gets a percentage. Everybody of. Gets, gets interesting a check for that. So how, how, I wonder how is it like like a couple thousand dollars or something a year? So? Um, it's been low the oh, last okay. Uh, okay. several years, but okay. better, you know, a little more than a thousand dollars or something. Really, a person? Yeah. That's it. Wow. Every you just have to prove that you're you're Which you're, you're, you're a resident you're there. A resident. Oh, interesting. <laughs> there we go. That's, <laughs> that's one of the things about Alaska. I didn't know until I actually visited it and heard about it. I was like, ah, oh, like interesting. But, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you now that that's kind of official and, and out there, you are moving, you're coming, you're coming north to that, to, or south down to uh, yeah. Seattle. You've been reassigned, so you'll be leaving Alaska. I, I've been uh, been reassigned, and it was um, certainly a, a bit of a surprise, although I've been in um, Anchorage for a good while, but they've yeah. asked me to be the pastor of 
our parish, Blessed Sacrament, in Blessed. Seattle. Now, how does that conversation go? I mean, everyone has their own experience. So the new provincial, because he was just, Father Christopher's just new, last podcast talked to uh, Father Isaiah about it. I was at the chapter, so I gave a little behind the scenes uh-huh. of, of what we did in that process. And you've been, obviously, a secretary at the chapter yourself. I have I, been. I know. So you know, you probably even know more behind the scenes scenes in terms of, of actually all the edits and how the sausage is made on, the, on that side. But but what is it, what is that conversation, you know, if, if you can uh, share anything about that 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 moment of kind of like well it's you know as the chapter's going on yeah. and those of us who are not at the chapter yeah i you you if your phone goes off yeah and <laughs> it's, it's somebody from the chapter <laughs> yes it's like what is happening <laughs> exactly and, and the funny thing was it 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 happened my my phone just you know erupted phone calls text yeah. messages yeah 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 we need you immediately yes. and i'm like oh great what is it and yes. it was they had lost a word document yeah <laughs> from the last chapter <laughs> former secretary of the chapter i had the word document and it was like okay <laughs> i'm glad you I can did breathe um <laughs> but then the next day it happened again mm. and it wasn't a word document okay. it was um whether or not i would um i would be willing to uh, take on that that task as of being pastor pastor in Seattle, which you, you know it's it's uh, certainly in my mind. I've I've not spent very much time there, mm. but certainly in my mind, it's one of our premier places mm. in in the province. Yes, um, just uh-huh. the ministry that has gone on uh, through there, um, the the beauty of the building. Um, many of your listeners are probably familiar with Saint Dominic's here. Um, same architect. Yes, constable. Yeah, constable. It's a little, little smaller scale, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, and and they didn't they they didn't finish the interior with the with the terracotta, and so it's it's brick. Okay. Instead of the the more stone like yeah. that you have here at Saint Dominic's, um, so it's got its uh, very very similar in that English Gothic style, mm. but it's got its own character to it. It's it's a really beautiful church. Nice as and, well. And you've but you've. Have you ever been assigned there, even for like a summer as a student or something? No, so, no. Wow. So, so it's, it's just kind of it's a new place to be going, really. A new place to be going. Wow. And so, what's your? Are you are you a little um, excited, nervous? Certainly all of the above. Okay. Um, I'm very excited about yeah. the. Uh, very excited about the Dominican community yeah. and the brothers that are going to be serving with me up there. Yeah, because it's not only a ministry you'll be out, but there's also a priory there. Maybe there's a there's a priory there. Yeah. We've got um, one friar who um, serves a Vietnamese community in the archdiocese, mm-hmm. um, but lives with us. We've got a Newman Center at the at UW, uh, and the friars that run the Newman Center are living in the priory as well, and. Um, uh, so we we've got this nice large community there, and I'm very much looking forward to. And do you like rain? Because um, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> wait, nobody told me that. Um, yeah, uh, you're far away from Pasadena. <laughs> I, I am um, coming down from Alaska. Oh, I am true. <laughs> used to having a lot of darkness okay. and not getting a lot of sun. Okay. Um, in Alaska, that's because the sun just doesn't come up. Yeah. In Seattle, it's because the sun comes up, but it's blocked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but still, still have gotten used to used to some of that. Well, when I was in Seattle, we, as novices, of course, we make the tour, and 
I've been there one other time. It did feel a little bit like a like a. This is going to very San Francisco centric, but it felt like a mini San Francisco in a way. <laughs> <laughs> like he did the like the the ballpark is kind of on the on the on the on the on the on the water, and you've got like Pikes Play. There's kind of like a Fishman's War. Like he's yeah. in other words, coming being from the Bay Area myself, I, I naturally saw a number of. Uh, correlative elements <laughs> that were there. I don't know, but you've, since you've never been there, you, you obviously can't come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like a mini, kind of a mini San Francisco. I'm sure Seattle thinks that. My my experience of it, though, it's a it's a beautiful city. And yeah. the, the green nice. of the city, um, I think, is something I'm really going to appreciate and love. And, and the nice thing about that particular parish, as I understand it, is the kind of conversation it has with the Newman Center. So as you say, we've got guys at, at UW there. And so I'm sure there's some cross pollination in terms of, of the you know of the parish being having a, a youthful kind of character based on the uh, influx of of in proximity to the campus. My understanding is there's a, there's been a lot of that. Yeah, and that um, uh, the friars of both ministries help each other out, um, uh, but also that you you get a lot of um, the the students are the former students. Right, who wind up coming to Blessed Sacrament because it's still just there's that sense of being connected to the Newman Center that um, that they enjoyed so much, and so yeah, no, you, certainly uh, whenever you have um, you know different uh, kind of cross segment in terms of of, of uh, demographics, it enriches I think parish life in yeah. so many ways. One thing that I love here about San Francisco, you've got kind of the, the community that, that has kind of longevity and the tradition there, so the family kind of history, and then you've got all the the, the youth, if you will, that that are that are kind of young families more and more, and then <clears throat> and then the the the, uh, the kind of our young adults. Uh, just it's a yeah. nice mix of, of of folks so working together and connecting together. So it's been wonderful to to have you, Father Dominic, and we certainly wish you all the best as you begin the new ministry. When I first heard your pastor, of course, my first thing is like, oh, I hope he can still do the novena. But you you graciously, and because the, the assignments usually change in July, but your your time spread your time frame because of um, the, the the former pastor, who's now the vocation director, yeah. needs to needs to get a head start on that. So it's it's actually earlier your assignment. Is that we're, right? We're yeah. looking at at that transitioning happening around May first. Oh my goodness! Wow. So things hey, so are going to come very quick. And wow. So after you leave here, you go back. And you're basically just for um, not even for um, two months. Two months. Yeah. And it, wow. it'll be um, everything that goes with Lent. And yep. You'll have your last Easter little, and, your and last, yeah, you'll do Lent and Easter up in Alaska. Pretty much, it'll be Triduum, and then get ready to get ready to, to transfer down. To, to so. transfer down, so very good. Well, thanks for being with us today. It's 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 been a delight. We've certainly enjoyed uh, having you um, here, not only at the novena, but but uh, for for all the ways uh, in which your preaching has enriched us this uh, this week. So thanks for being with us. Well, thank you very much. So I hope you uh, certainly enjoyed uh, our conversation. I know I learned a few new things. I have to go re- redo the stats on the science guys versus the uh, humanities guys. You, I'm not getting a report on that. I'm not, I'm not convinced. I, I'm still, I'm still going to be on my corner here. But, but I hope you enjoyed it. And that certainly all that you do this week truly radiate the joy of the gospel here in the heart of the city. Amen? Amen. Amen.